all you beautiful people. Merry Christmas. I love saying that, and I know that not everybody celebrates Christmas, but I want to say that to those of you who do celebrate Christmas, and to those of you who don't celebrate Christmas, happy snowy time of the year. (laughs) There's actually snow outside, which I love. I love the snow, and it's really cold, and so far I'm not minding it that much. Although, you know, when you do have to walk outside and it's really windy, that you know, that gets to me. One of the things is, like, I actually grew up in this, like, part of Ontario that was, like, in the snow belt, and so it just wasn't as, um, it was really snowy, and it got really cold, but it wasn't as windy as it is here, like, as a general rule. So you'd step outside, and it'd be freezing cold, but it, it, like, was still. So at least it's not, like, blowing in your face. And so I get, I get why people have a harder time with the stuff, like, with the snow here, because, like, or with the cold weather here because it blows in your face it blows into your soul and that's really cold and unpleasant however i'm home today you may you might be hearing kids yelling in the background we have them home today because there's a lice breakout at school and i just can't deal with that this year so that is my christmas gift to myself assuming they don't already have it and it's you know we're just going to be warm and cozy inside watch a movie and it's going to be great and I'm really looking forward to it this week has been a productive one and uh, and just very busy so I'm I'm happy to have a, a day where there's a bit more resting I mean you know with kids so there's some limited resting there but it's great it's gonna be great now I got to have Joel back on Optimistically Depressed. I love Joel. He is one of the co-founders for um, for Tranquility Online, and I am actually using Tranquility Online, and Joel is actually my coach, and I love it. I love it. It has helped me understand anxiety in a way that I just didn't understand it before. In fact, and I've I've said this on here before, but I'm going to say it again. I didn't realize that I had anxiety until after I started taking this, um, doing tranquility online. And I, and then it was just kind of like, oh, I have like pretty extreme anxiety, actually. Like all these things that I kind of just thought were my way of dealing with things, you know, you kind of chalk it up to that. Um, I realized that that, that's like, actually that's anxiety, um, doing its thing. And so it's helped me be able to like actually improve the ways that I view my life. It's helped me improve the ways that I view situations that are, you know, that would make me anxious anyway, but it helps make them more bearable and makes it so that I can actually think through them as opposed to freezing. That's usually what I do. I usually just kind of shut down because it's just kind of like a sensory overload. So, um, Joel and I talk a bit about that because, yeah, Joel and I have a pretty open dialogue nowadays um, because since he's my coach, I open up to him about a lot of stuff. And he's just such a great human being because he's one of those people that has, like, he's provided this tool to the general population that is easier to access. You can do it online at home. You don't have to get a coach. I recommend getting a coach if you decide to go on Tranquility online, which I'm totally plugging it because I really believe in it. Like it's really just been something that's really changed. Like it's this past, these past few months since I've really gotten into it, 
have been so um, challenging and rewarding because I've been following these steps and it's really changed the way that I've looked at my everyday life and how I carry it out. So yes, I'm totally plugging for Tranquility Online because it is something that I really believe is effective and important and I think that I think everybody should actually be doing it just like I believe everybody should be going into therapy like taking therapy that stuff's important you got to take care of yourself so um yeah and Joel is one of the brilliant minds behind making that possible uh making that happen tranquility online um so I am very fond of Joel and he's one of those people that is like you you hang out with him he's he's very uh, easy you know easy to talk to he's very sweet and uh, it's like you can just tell like he just genuinely wants to help you out so um, but he, and he's like a you know he's a person so it's like you're talking with a person and then he has these really helpful tips and he's like easy to talk to and he listens to whatever you have to say and uh, yeah I like Joel I like Joel and, um, and I'm really glad that I got to sit down with him again and talk with him again. I think all of you are going to love it because who's not going to love Joel? So here you go. Here's Joel and I having another conversation. Enjoy. And again, merry, happy this time of the year. Joel, yes. how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Are you okay? So everybody listening, Joel is the co-founder of Tranquility Online or the Tranquility app. Tranquility Online. I I don't like calling it an app because to me it's more than just an app. It's a online platform that has an app, it, but it's also available on desktop and they work together and then there's the coaching aspect of it. Yes, which I love. Good. Joel is my coach. I am your coach. Yes. And um I so I like am pretty select on who I immediately get vulnerable with. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't happen very easily. And Joel, you were one of the people that it was like, "All right." And I gave you like a warning. <laughs> I was like, "Are you ready for this?" cuz like once this happens, this is it. Yeah, what did I tell you? Um, you know what? I don't actually remember what you told me. I just remember that you made me feel like this is okay. Uh, I remember being like, yeah, don't worry. Like, whatever you tell me, I've heard it before. Mm. Yes, that's what you said. <laughs> I've heard it before or I've heard worse. Or probably just like, or I've heard it every. I've heard whatever, all of it. whatever's going on in your head has probably gone on in my head before yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> and there have been a couple of times where I was talking about a couple of things, and you're just like, "Yeah, I know what you mean." Like yeah. actually, yeah. <laughs> okay. like, yep, that's kind of normal. Kind of normal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I experience it too, so that makes it normal, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's been yeah, it's been really good. It's been really helpful. Um, this past these past two months have been transformative, Mm -hmm. very challenging. And the last probably four weeks have been especially challenging for me. 
But I think that that's just a result of of growth. Right. Same but, for me. Yeah. More on the business side, but yeah, for sure. Like mm. like the bi- business things have challenged me as a person and I've had to rise to the occasion and grow from it. Yeah. So growth sucks. How often is it like enjoyable? Yeah, probably probably never. Uh, yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> they call, they, they, I don't think they call them growing pains for nothing. Yeah. And it's so funny because I've had this like glorified idea of what growth is. And it's kind of like, well, this is painful now. But when I've grown properly, it's not going to hurt anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know. And it's like something that's not something I've ever really said to myself. It's just kind of like this understanding that I've had until like recently where I'm like, oh, no, no. It's just going to get more and more painful. Like it doesn't go away. It doesn't get better. Yeah, hopefully you can find some wisdom in it, though. And and instead of looking at, like, this is the worst, this is super painful, going through it a few times and realizing that you're growing while you're doing it, you'll be like, that's true. Oh, yeah, this is that thing I got to do again. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Oh, I'm here again. (laughs) I just found that, like, recently, the last, like, yeah, like four weeks, I've been, um, it's just been like one thing after the other. So it's like, oh, it's like, it's not even like this again. It's like this continues Mm -hmm. just like into another phase. It seems like every aspect of my life has been affected Mm -hmm. by not the same thing, by just like different things that just keep happening. Hmm. Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. So your business is causing lots of growth. Yeah, we, uh, we launched to the public about a month ago. So now people can actually go on the website. Before, it was kind of like an early um, pre-sign up. And yeah. then we've launched with those people. And now if anyone visits our website, they can go right into the app. We're giving a 14-day free trial. And we're also giving a 70% discount for a little while. I haven't decided how long yet. Whoa! Yeah, because we just... We want just to get people to come in, try the program, and learn as much as possible from them so that we can continue to improve it. Right. So by no means is it done. So at the moment, we're offering that pretty large discount uh, for people to log in and give us a try. And that's for the like using the online program that you have set up. Is that right? Yep. And it comes with, and you can choose either the self help version or the coaching version. You can. Both of them have a seventy percent discount on right now. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. So everybody, you need to sign up. I would recommend the coaching. Yeah. Because, I mean, doing this self help, like reading through the stuff, I think that's actually one of the things that helped trigger my growth. Mm-hmm. Because it was all of a sudden understanding a little better what um, was actually going on. And, and, oh, another funny thing, and I think I mentioned this in my, in the other podcast that we did together, but I didn't realize that I really had anxiety until I started this. So when we were talking about it, I was kind of like, oh, like, yeah, that I'm sure that, that'll be helpful, but like, I don't really have anxiety, so I don't really see how this will be that helpful. Yeah. And you mentioned it, it again on Friday, and that's one of the things I thought we could maybe talk about today is... Yeah what your perception of what anxiety was before the program 
and what you thought your relationship was with anxiety and then how that may has changed now. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. So you didn't think you had anxiety. You obviously knew you had some form of depression, hence the name of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> and you had made a distinction between both and you thought anxiety, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. You went through our probably it's probably the first session that really goes through what anxiety is. Mm-hmm. What is it in there that you read or understood that you maybe didn't before? I think that it was when I understood what it really physically felt like. Right. Because I thought that like because I've been kind of thinking about like, well, what did I think that it was before? And I think that it was something that um, I thought people more physically showed it mm-hmm. like oh. it would be like just like really sweaty or like really visually tense. Right. And I and the way that I behaved out of my anxiety, I thought were just like my personality quirks. OK. And then all of a sudden when I read started like reading like, uh, you know, how you can behave in public settings, like I'll get really talkative mm-hmm. and like just like really happy. And that's because I haven't that's like me dealing with my anxiety. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So um And yeah, I just didn't realize that until I started the program. And it was like, oh, that's actually, yeah, that is a result of my anxiety. That's not, I'm not naturally like a really, really happy person, Mm -hmm. like a really like happy, bubbly kind of person. That is me acting out of my anxiety. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So right now, anxiety. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. Um, Okay. I think, I think that essentially answered both questions. Okay. Because it was also about you and then the difference. So how do you think your anxiety plays into your depression? Hmm. Um, let me think. How does my anxiety play into my depression? I think that the anxiety is what initially cripples me. And then the depression is what keeps me there. Totally. Yeah. Um, and like... Medically, we make this distinction between both, but most people who have one kind of deal with the other one as well. Yeah. And my thing is always, this is just kind of my thinking of it is, I think a lot of people, one of the reasons why that happens is people who are anxious start um, using things like safety behaviors, which is things that stop them from going into places and things that would cause them anxiety. A lot of those things are really important to them like I want to do this for my career or I want to do this with my relationships and then they get too anxious about it and they don't go for it therefore eventually they're not like pursuing their dreams they're not living the life they want to live because their anxiety has been holding them back then they get depressed about it and by they I mean this is also my life (laughs) 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 or has been my life and you know Starting this business has definitely been the biggest risk and challenge I've ever taken. And uh, if I wouldn't have, I'd have a lot of regrets about it. Mm. And I can think of many, many instances in the past where I haven't done the thing that I really wanted to do because of anxiety and how much potential loss I've experienced through that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's how I think about it. Okay. I haven't 
read a book about that says that yet that maybe I should write it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe you should. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I think that another thing that I've been discovering, like about myself is that I get, um, like, so Sean actually gets driven crazy when I don't check my emails. I currently have like 490 unopened emails. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of it's junk mail, yeah. but, um, looking at messages and emails and stuff like that triggers major anxiety for me. Yeah. And so that is potentially an avoidant or safety behavior. Yeah. If the reason why you're ignoring your emails is because maybe you're afraid of reading something either negative or something you don't want to do. Yeah. Or don't want to deal with right now. Yes. Yeah. Then again, in another instance, that could be a very healthy behavior. If it's like, I have a rule between Friday at 5 p.m. and Monday morning, I don't check work emails and that's for my own sanity and taking time, then that'd be a great reason, right? There's, there's never, it's never black and white. It depends on the intention and why you're doing it. And if you're avoiding it because of anxiety, a lot of times that is potentially, it's not making your anxiety worse because by avoiding it, you are potentially feeling less anxious, right? but you're not dealing with your anxiety. So the more you avoid it, the more you don't deal with your anxiety, the more you don't, you're not able to teach yourself that you can handle it. And that's where kind of in CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what we use in our program, um, you're missing the opportunity to expose yourself to the anxiety and learn that you can deal with it, which is why later in the program, we do this really cool thing called, it's a new tool and it's called the fear ladder. And if it's like uh, you choose one of the things that make you anxious and you come up with like six to ten steps and you start at the very basic, easier version of it. And then at the end, you're going for like full blown. This is the top of the list of things I want to do. So if you had social anxiety, it might be go to a networking event or do a presentation. Mm. If you are if you had a phobia, a phobia of dogs. Maybe it's like, go over to my neighbor and pet their dog. Right. And all that kind of stuff. And then we, we build it on different steps. So it, it's like, starts off easier and gets more challenging as you go. I, yeah. So like talking about that right now, like I have anxiety. Okay. Because I'm thinking about pho- phobia, like a phobia that I have. Spiders. Which, yes. Ah! I hate them. I hate, like actually, honestly, thinking about it right now, like I'm sweating. I've just started sweating. Okay. So that's a... <sighs> That's a pretty, um, pretty intense one for you then. Yes, it is. It yeah. is. I like, and it's worse in the winter because I'm not expecting them to mm. be around. Mm-hmm. So I get, I get a little bit better with it in the spring because it's like a slow introduction. You, the spiders that are around are generally smaller and, um, Ugh. and then as like the she's winter, squirming right now for people who can't see she's squirming <laughs> i know <laughs> and then as the um the year progresses uh you know the summer comes along i uh you know i kind of get like okay okay they get a little bit bigger and you kind of see them around a little bit more and i'm not really a fond not really fond of it but i can kind of deal with it by the time fall comes around though, like the spiders are huge. They're everywhere mm-hmm. and it prevents me from going outside. I was about to ask you, cause it's one thing to be, to have a phobia of something that could potentially be like 
not really affect your life negatively, but if it's affecting you from like leaving your house and stuff, yeah, then that's <laughs> becoming a becoming a problem. Yeah, it's becoming a problem definitely. Like I, I've definitely made progress. Like I have, mm-hmm. I've been able to kill spiders in yeah. the house, Good. which is like that's not something that I could have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still definitely like a size limit. So if it's you know. A couple centimeters <laughs> in the diameter. Okay, I could probably deal with that. But mm. and Nova Scotia is bad for spiders. They're mm. not this bad in Ontario. Really? Really. So, like, I mean, the ones that I've encountered in Ontario, when I did encounter them, they were um more colorful, but it was not as often. And then uh when I moved out here, I just remember going out on the deck. Um, or balcony of like my, one of my apartments and there were just like there were just spiders everywhere like in every corner what is that why is that necessary we don't need to have that many spiders do you, how much do you hate mosquitoes um you know what i i'm i i know where you're going with this i don't know i'm that <laughs> i just i i'm just i hate mosquitoes it's not oh. a phobia thing it's okay. just i grew up in my backyard just like in yarmouth so many mosquitoes where I would want to go and like hit the golf ball golf ball around and within 10 minutes they're eating me alive and it yeah, just yeah. like ruined that experience so yeah. and I have no problems with spiders so I'm just like bring them on they because kill they, mosquitoes they yeah. kill mosquitoes yeah. I had uh yeah like we had tons of mosquitoes and tons of black flies mm-hmm. where I grew up like it was to the, like we had black fly, black fly jackets that we had to wear whoa yeah to go outside whoa yeah, so we had a lot of that, mm-hmm. and like we lived in a kind of like a marshy area, uh, yeah. so it was Me too. particularly bad. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And the thing is, I don't actually even know where my phobia of spiders began. That was going to be my next question. If if you have like a childhood memory of that first time where something happened, and if you don't, did your did one of your caregivers have a negative? No, no. None of, neither of my parents are scared of spiders. Um, I'm the only one in my family who has an irrational fear of spiders. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, I, and I remember in elementary school, I actually did a pro, uh, project on spiders. Mm. And I'm wondering. Were you afraid at that point? No. Okay. And I'm wondering if maybe that's actually what switched it around because I remember learning about the black widow spider. Mm-hmm. And learning that they would be in like the garage of like people's like garages and stuff like that so you may like, have learned yeah that they are potentially dangerous and then that like imprinted in your mind like spiders are dangerous therefore they're scary yeah i think and I, ever since then you've kind of <clears throat> and then you didn't deal with it then mm-hmm. so it grew it's like falling off a horse you give it right back up kind of right you kind of just kept recoiling. I kept, yeah. <laughs> and I remember when I was little, um, I see this would have happened before I did the project on spiders though. So this is another thing, but I remember when I was driving home with my dad from the doctors, it was right after I had gotten a needle and mm. he mm. was driving and there was a spider in the car and he had to stomp on it. It was on his side. Mm-hmm. But I remember sitting in the, I mean, I was like three or four at the time, but 
of course, four-year-olds at that time could sit in the front seat. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in the front seat and I was just freaking out. Mm. And he was like, and then he spent the rest of the car ride being like, you know, this is why spiders are okay. And oh. um, explaining to me why it's okay. But mm. I do remember being really scared then. But then kind of like not really realizing, like just kind of being like, okay. But then, um, yeah, I did that project. And then, yeah, they're just like, I, th- there was this one time when I was like in grade like seven or eight, I found a spider underneath my bed and I had my brother come up and kill it. And then it was kind of like, I slept in my brother's room that night cause I was, it was too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something we can work on. Maybe, maybe. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I can tell it. I can tell it's not going to be easy. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Holidays are coming up. Yes. How do you feel about that? I love the holidays. Okay. I always get really depressed on the holidays too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't like the holidays. Okay. Tell me why. Okay. Let's start off with Christmas music. Okay. Not relatable to me. Okay. Everyone's way too happy in those, in those songs. <laughs> Tur- okay. When I when it's like mid November, I turn on the radio and uh-huh. it's a Christmas song playing. I lose my shit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> okay. There's not this much happiness in the world right now. Um, and yeah, and um, especially the last five years, the holidays have really kind of sucked for me. Uh, my brother moved away to California, so now it's just me, mom, and my dad. Um, then I, you know, I leave town, go home to Yarmouth, uh, and it's not a lot to do there either. So I'm like kind of stuck in my own house Mm -hmm. and there's this, even though I'm with my parents, there's a certain type of loneliness that creeps up and, uh, my brother and his, um, new wife are going to be here on friday so in a few days um and it's gonna be the first time she's she's like a native californian oh whoa it'll be the first time she comes to canada in (gasps) wintertime oh wow so i really want a white christmas like i'm super excited for her right yeah um and i'm I'm pretty excited about the holidays this time because they will be here so um it's going to be a chance to have a different experience and I'm really hoping it goes well, mm-hmm. but I'm also preparing for the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, it, and statistically speaking, it is like typically the worst time of year for people who uh, experience low mood and stuff like that. So, yeah. I've been um, working on turning it around a bit. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, you have kids, so it must that be really totally exciting. Changes it. Yes. Really exciting. Yes. Yeah, because they love, like, obviously, they get so excited. And two yeah. of my kids still believe in Santa. I was about to ask you if that's, like, a good tool for you. Oh, it totally like, is. When do you when you turn it on? Um, like, We've just started talking about it this week. Oh, you could have been using this like at least after after Halloween. Like, hey, be nice. Santa's watching. I know. Yeah, no. Do you guys have the elf in the shelf or whatever it's called? That is so creepy. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't do the elf on the shelf. We have a penguin. 
Ooh. Puggles. Penguin's my favorite uh, animal. Really? Yeah. Ah! Yeah, we have, we started a tradition just, it's like for our house, I've started a thing called Puggles the Penguin. And, and, and what about him or her? So Puggles is, he helped Santa, he helped Santa. Oh, yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, because it was like, so I started a whole like, it actually, it was kind of like a spontaneous birth of Puggles the Penguin. Because mm-hmm. we had this like little Puggle, like, I mean, penguin head thing that we hung from a doorknob. It's like cute, you know, it's festive little decoration and it's like a stuffy looking yeah. thing and um probably five years ago four or five years ago my daughter was getting ready for school and she was i was brushing her hair and she always hates she's always hated having her hair brushed hmm. and so i was trying to distract her and i was just like oh like the penguin thing was there and i was like look it's puggles and she was just like who's puggles and i was like wait you don't know about puggles so then i you know came up with a story about how he helped santa with his sleigh because he got lost in the south pole just made this up yeah. On the spot? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. The creative juices <laughs> when you're lying to your children. It's just right there. <laughs> and, okay, go on. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so he helped Santa out. He helped because they got lost in a snowstorm in the South Pole. Ooh. So he helped. He actually took over. He threw the reindeer in the sleigh because the reindeer was just exhausted from mm. being, you know, wandering around the South Pole and being stuck. And so puggles obviously knows the south pole very well yeah and got them out of there and then santa you know puggles was lonely because he didn't have a family in the south pole so santa was like would you want to come to the north pole and help me out and puggles was like uh yeah so puggles hangs out with santa he's in the sleigh with santa when he santa goes around christmas eve and puggles delivers books to children so puggles is a real penguin and then and you guys have a stuffed toy of that represents puggles yes but it's not like elf in the shelf where it's like that actually is a real elf it's just like this is just a this is just a representation of the yeah. real puggles exactly cool yeah and we so we have a couple penguins too so we'll be like hey look see this is another because everyone celebrates puggles <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah yeah so then we have uh yeah so we have um books we get the kids books from puggles every year and sean will write like a little note because he has like the Sean's handwriting is kind of scratchy. That's perfect for a penguin. Uh. <laughs> so he's, he writes out this like stupid note, nice. which is the best. It always makes everybody laugh. And anyway, yeah. Cool. So things are exciting. Yes. But potentially depressing at times. Yes. Because, you know, I'm not uh, most of my family. I have one cousin out here and I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to do some things around Christmas together. The rest of my family's in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And so this is when I especially miss like my siblings and like, you know, parents, cousins. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. So because we can't make our way out there. And um, since my grandma died, it's been harder. Like, I don't think I've been back for Christmas since my grandma died. So mm-hmm. it's just hard. Yeah. Like, you know, and because like grandma was a big part of my Christmas, too. Yeah. And I was. <laughs> One thing that I've really been learning, especially in the last six months, is how almost every thing and emotion that affects me, there's usually an underlying guilt under it. And I think that one thing that also made it worse for me is I felt kind of depressed um, during Christmas, but then also felt guilty about feeling that way. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um I forget where I was going with that, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there you go. 
There you that's go. my morning brain working for you. Oh, that's great. Um, um, I uh, love. I actually have kind of it's, it's weird because I kind of like the loneliness that kind of comes with Christmas. So here's the thing that I kind of realized, too, about myself is that like, you know how like you kind of have like your resting heart rate. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> There's like your re- resting emotional rate or emotional status. Sure. Mine is actually sad, like sadness. I'm just kind of like, if I'm just kind of sitting, I'm kind of like, I'm a kind of a melancholy person, mm-hmm. which I guess is something that I need to work on. But, um, so when I'm sitting at home and I'm, everything's quiet and I'm alone and I'm looking at the Christmas tree, I have like that loneliness, but I find mm-hmm. it comfortable. Okay. <laughs> Cause it, it, again, it makes me think of when I was a kid. So this is again, when I was just young, cause it was before my um, parents had divorced and the, the house was like so up and down, like it was chaos and then it was nice and all that kind of thing. So it was very unpredictable in the house, but around Christmas time, I don't remember, I don't have a lot of memories of the chaos at Christmas mm. and I actually have more memories of me sitting alone in the living room. So I would have been about three playing with like, you know, those like long block uh, toy things that you used that like you could use to build houses and stuff like crisscross them to build houses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had, we had those. And mm-hmm. so I remember sitting on the floor in front of the Christmas tree and building houses with those blocks and it, everything was just quiet. It right. was snowing outside. Everything was just quiet. I don't know where my parents were, but I couldn't hear anything mm-hmm. I could, or at least in my memory, I can't. And it was just that kind of loneliness, but it was just nice because it was like, Oh, it's quiet and safe. Right. So that's where, and so it was kind of like, and I was sad, but it was like comfortable, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Cause you weren't, there was no threatening thing that was going to show up. Yeah. So that was just nice. And so I kind of like sit now and then in the, in that quiet, it's just that, yeah, that safety. Mm-hmm. And then I love Christmas music. Ah, I know. Yeah, I do. You should. Everyone should love Christmas music. <laughs> well, you know, the I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that you actually said, though, about um, the thing that you said about uh, it being kind of unrealistic, like no one's really that happy. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and also Santa doesn't really exist. So all the songs about Santa. Wait, what? <laughs> are BS. <gasps> OK, we're going to have to have another therapy session. About this <laughs> um, yeah, but I love it because like, it's kind of like it adds to the magic. And it was and it again, like it makes me think of like my being at my grandmother's house because that was where like thing it was just is warm and grandma was there and grandma was the one that introduced me to like that old music and that Mm. old Christmas music. Mm -hmm. And so it was so like just nice, you know, like I just remember sitting at the, the kitchen table with her and we had that music on and she just made cookies and it was snowing outside. It's always snowing because we're Magnetowan. So in the Mm -hmm. winter it just always snows. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yeah, nice, just everything's okay. Sounds everything's nice. Everything's great. Oh, it's so nice. It's probably warm. Oh, yes. yes. Fire? Was there a fire? Not in her house right there. No, no. She okay. had like this um, heater in the kitchen that uh, it was like mounted mounted to the wall and it blew heat. Yeah. So that, and I, my seat was in front of that. So it was bl- always blowing. We had our 
chairs that we sat at right mm-hmm. at the table and mine was in front of that heater so it was warm because I always had that heat blowing on me right but it was always just warm in our house and she got a pellet stove later so her and I would sit um in the room with a pellet stove and and watch it and talk and mm-hmm. the Christmas tree would be right there and yeah and she'd just kind of tell me like you know I'd tell her everything and she'd just be like you know it's gonna be okay and here are a couple things that happened to me and it was just you know yeah nice quality time yep I remember what I was trying to make. Yes. A point about guilt. Yes. Because I always felt guilty about it. Yeah. In the last couple of years, I started sharing this with a lot of my friends about what my experience is like going home for Christmas. Yeah. Turns out, <laughs> almost like everyone feels the same way. At least like my age, going home. A lot of a lot of my friends are like single. So it's like the same dynamic. And a lot of them are having the same kind of conflicts or emotions around going home for Christmas. So I feel less guilty now, which totally makes it, it allows me to just accept the feeling more. Because mm. guilt really, usually when it comes to feeling guilty about some kind of emotion I'm having, makes me want to resist it. But if I, if, I, if I can kind of find a way to not feel guilty about it, then I'm just like, accept it and if you if i can accept it usually it dissipates a lot faster too and it's less threatening because i'm like oh this is just an emotion that a lot of my other friends told me they also experience Mm -hmm. and we're all in this together so let's just make the best out of it versus oh i feel so guilty about feeling this way around this time where i'm supposed to be quote supposed to be feeling really happy and all this kind of stuff right it's been interesting to share with my friends. And that's the thing about feelings and anxiety and depression. The more you kind of share, um, I think the easier things get. And I, I was re-listening to some of our podcasts uh, that we already recorded last time. Mm. And that's something that you were saying too is that kept a lot of the stuff in then you started a podcast and this has definitely helped you share a lot of different things that you probably didn't before yes amen <laughs> yeah and some of it's backfired <laughs> well but i mean it's kind of one of those things where it's like well you know this is just kind of where i'm at right now this is who i am right now so you don't have to like it yeah i you call it backfiring but if you're being authentic then if it backfires it's the other people's problem not yours i think yeah i think that you're right yeah and it's been a lesson it's been a lesson to me and as far as that's concerned right it's just helped me to kind of accept who i am a bit more yeah i'm not trying as hard to make up who i am to please other people Mm -hmm. that's really hard It's, it's so difficult and scary very difficult very scary yeah yeah, I have like this huge thing where I don't want to disappoint my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm working on working through that. I've been talking with my siblings, especially mm-hmm. about that fear. Um, and one thing that my brother pointed out to me was that I get this idea about my family. I have this idea about my family that they're perfect. Mm. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> I know that my dad's not perfect. I know that my mom's not perfect. Um, but as far as my aunts and uncles are concerned, most of them, I would really view them as like 
you are perfect. They really stepped in when we were like when we hit that rough patch and helped raise us Mm -hmm. and like provided a place for us to stay when we needed one. And um, so I feel like I want to um, show all them like, see, look, you you invested in something good. Right. Like, I I won't disappoint you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But my brother kind of pointed out he was just kind of like you know, first of all, what kind of people would they be if they expected you to live up to any kind of standard other than your own? Mm -hmm. Like the thing that makes them so wonderful is that they love you. Mm -hmm. And that's that. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't, there's no like nothing put on that, you know? Um, and then he was just like, and you know, our aunts and uncles also have their stuff. So like, um, don't let that, like, don't like he helped me recognize that I actually do have this idea in my head about how they're all perfect and kind of helped me be like you know that's obviously not the case nobody's perfect Mm -hmm. like including and I (laughs) I was about to say the names of my one aunt and uncle that like I'm just like they are the most perfect human beings in the world but I won't do that but yeah it's yeah so whenever I go back at Christmas I feel a lot of pressure or whenever I go back ever, yeah. actually, I just feel a lot of pressure. Cause I'm just like my, I am not up to snuff, but of course I'm not. I never will be. And they don't expect that. It's just a weird thing. And that's in your own, I'm going to say head. That's a, not the good way to say it in your own, um, worldview or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like my own understanding of how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not something that I don't think anyone's put on me. It's just yeah, exactly how I've just gotten to it. I don't know. Which is very normal. <laughs> I'm normal again? Yeah, it's pretty normal too, I think. Um, try to divine what other people want from us. And then to assume that everyone else has their shit together and we're the only ones who are falling apart. Mm. Huh, yeah. But we're all trying to figure this out every day. Right. We're all falling apart. Well, we're all fine. We're all perfect, actually. Um, We can always, all of us can grow and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, everyone has to kind of find their own journey and figure out what's important to them. And that's not always the same thing for everyone some people value other things yeah i'm trying to figure out some of the things that i care about yeah like the real joel cares about versus what i thought i should care about Mm. for growing up a huge value of my father's was all very much money 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 right um, and so I became a stock analyst and when I left that, I kind of realized, I don't know if I really wanted to do that, but in the back of my mind or in my subconscious, I was probably like, that's a career that you can make a lot of money in. If I make a lot of money, then maybe my father will be proud of me. And I really realized that like, I don't really care that much about material stuff. So I didn't really care about having a lot of money. I just wanted to have to be able to tell people I have this job that gives me a big salary and that makes me worth something. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So it wasn't even about like buying a car or buying this or buying that. It was just like a weird metric that I could go back to and be like, I have value because I do this thing. And it's just like, then I turned around and looked at it and I, this is a shitty fucking job. Like on my best day, I would have just made a bunch of rich people richer. Who cares about that? Not the real Joel. Not the real Joel. So I had to leave that career. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, that's why we're having this conversation. Well, that's very true. How long ago was that? Um, well, that's what I did before Tranquility. So uh, I went to St. Mary's. I did finance. I took finance. I did my CFA, which is uh, becoming a chartered financial analyst. Okay. Which is kind of rare. Like it's a it's a, it's a, one of the toughest designations to get in the business world. Um, and then I became a stock analyst and I did that for six years. Um, so I was like analyzing technology, energy, and uh, mining stocks. Uh, yeah. And then I burnt out. And it wasn't because I was working too hard. Like I actually, typically that um, career path involves a lot of a lot, like really long hours. Um, I was working in Halifax where the culture was a little bit less obsessed with all that kind of time in the office mm-hmm. um and if anything i was really just bored and there was no purpose to it and so if you can imagine waking up and going to a job every day for six years that yeah. you're not really passionate about you eventually just get the life sucked out of you and i was very oblivious to what was going on and i was in denial about it people people would ask me like joe like how's your job going how's it going i was like well like, it's my dream job, so it must be pretty good. But I was, like, miserable without emotionally knowing about it. But my body was, like, falling apart. I had chronic pain. I had stomach issues. I had um, digestive issues. And by the end, I was, like, so tired and had so much brain fog that, like, I would have to read an email, like, three times before I could even understand what it was telling me. That's when I, like, eventually... So for three years, I went from specialist to specialist to try to figure out what's going on with me. And eventually I fired my physician and got a new one. And like blood test results were always came back like perfect. Um, Then eventually my new doctor said, well, we have someone who is a specialist on staff that kind of deals with situations like this. Do you want to see that person? I was like, sure, of course. And then he was like, she's a psychologist. (laughs) <laughs> I was like yeah 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 sure like I'll see them but like that's not the issue here right oh it was the issue <laughs> yeah whoa yeah I, I walked into that first the first appointment when you see that person is uh, like an hour and a half okay and she kept asking me how I felt about things and then I would really struggle with that question and then when I would finally come up with an answer, uh, she would call me out. I'd be like, how do you feel about that? I'd be like, mm, I feel angry about that. And she'd be like, you don't look angry when you're telling me that. Like, how do you know you're angry? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just angry. 
how how do you know that you're angry where in your body do you feel that you're angry and i was just like i left that appointment and i was like i don't know how i feel about anything this might be an issue (laughs) yeah wow yeah and that's kind of uh that's part of the story too i guess yeah wow It's insane how much of a physical effect our emotions have on us. Yeah. And suppressing them, right? So the healthy thing is to be able to experience them, let them know what they're telling us so that we can put some kind of action in place. Because they're signaling to us something's wrong or, or, or something's right. Either something feels good and therefore do more of that. Something doesn't feel good. Figure out how to get out of that situation. And if we're not able to feel them, then we don't get that message. And if we are able to feel them, but we don't understand them, then we're not able to put the right action in place to bring us to a place where we can start feeling more of the positive ones versus the negative ones. So if you're angry, um, then that is a sign that you can you should need to do something about that situation. Right. And there's a positive thing. There's, as long as as long as your anger is not maladaptive. So now we're going into some potentially subjects that I, I'm not an expert in. <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll give you a better example than that because this kind of came up for me. And it's about guilt, which is a very strong emotion that I feel a lot. And what I recently really... There's, a, there's also a difference between understanding something intellectually and then really understanding it on like a core level. And I, f- I think I finally figured that out for guilt, which is guilt is good. All emotions are good. But sometimes we feel them in, in, in the wrong times and that's maladaptive. So an example could be I do something, I say something to someone and I feel really guilty about it after. Well, that was a lesson to me that maybe... I need to be more careful about how I approach that subject or whatever. So that could be like a good thing. And then you can kind of move on. You just go, oh, okay, I made a mistake. Maybe I need to apologize. And then I'm going to try better in the future not to do that. But if you feel guilt about things that perhaps aren't healthy, then you probably need to try to figure out how to readjust your thinking about that. So I wonder if I can think of a good example um Ooh, okay what if you feel guilty because you're working and you that means that you're spending time away from your kids so you're always feeling guilty about that but it's not like you're overworking like it's not like you're working too many hours or anything like that you're just because you have a job that's outside of the house right so you that that might be a maladaptive type of guilt if your guilt is because you grew up thinking that someone should be working all the time like that's a positive quality is the more you work the better the better worth the more worth you have that's a type of guilt that's potentially maladaptive and it's not serving you anymore right because if the guilt is just kind of like making you feel shitty and there's nothing you can do about it that's not helpful guilt anymore right right so that's a great example Okay. So any any if you ever feel guilty and it seems to be like causing a problem, you can always go back and try to think, 
is this guilt helping me work towards something better or fix a solution or did I do something wrong? And if the answer is no, then you got to go, I got to analyze why I feel that guilt. And that might be someone else's guilt, not my own. Someone else's value that I'm trying to, to follow might be causing this guilt, not a value that I hold myself. Ah. I did a terrible job of explaining that, but. No, I, well, I don't know. I got it. Yeah. Ah, so we got fun. only a little bit of time left. Is there. I'm, I'm acting like a host now. We're going to wrap it up soon here. <laughs> so is there is there anything we want to cover before we hang up the phone? <laughs> I know. This is usually how we... Yeah, this is this is right here. This is our session. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, well, probably something that I'm going to want to talk with you more about is the, like, my resting sad face. <laughs> Maybe I'll just call it that. My yes. resting sad face. Uh, but... Well, I'll tell you what I have to say about that, which is um, our program right now, Tranquility, is uh, for people who have anxiety. So we help people with generalized anxiety, specific phobias, social anxiety, and or panic disorder. So people who have panic attacks. Right. And therefore, we currently do not have a low mood or depression program, but we actually are building one. So, uh, and then again, you know, I'm not the actual expert or psychologist. It is my co-founder, Dr. Alyssa Penser. And then we also have another psychologist on the team called Dr. Jennifer Richards. And they will be creating that program. And therefore, um, coming soon, we'll definitely be able to tap in into more about low mood. Um, until then... I'm not sure how much of an expert I am on it, um, but for people who do experience low mood and anxiety, like doing working on the anxiety has a lot of different um, similarities to depression as well. Because CBT is all about mainly two things, helping people change their automatic negative thoughts. So you can think of someone with anxiety and depression having that problem Mm -hmm. and then changing the unhelpful behaviors and so that's where the two are a little bit more different in anxiety the behaviors are typically trying to help the client learn to to i'm not gonna say stop but try to avoid things less that make them anxious to expose themselves to that feeling so that they can learn that they can handle it and that they can continue to grow in that way. Mm. And then in depression, people who are depressed obviously often lose the sense of enjoyment in things that they used to get enjoyment out of. Mm-hmm. So instead of an exposure uh, or a stepladder, which expose, slowly expose you to something, we will be creating a behavioral activation tool, which essentially helps the client be motivated to go out and do the things that they used to get enjoyment out of. And that's almost like tricking the brain by doing the activity first and then hopefully getting the positive thoughts after. Ah, like exercising. Yes. Exercising, um, has very much been proven in the research to be very helpful, especially for people with who experience low mood and depression. And so, 
if you can add that, if you can get like exercise and some kind of social thing in the same thing, that's even better, right? One thing to go to the gym, lift weights. Another thing to join a sport with a bunch of your friends or something like that. Right. Okay. Okay. But we can tie into that on our next call. Yes. <laughs> and our next episode that we do together. I feel like maybe. I would love to bring my co-founder next time. That would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Okay. She's the expert. Cool. Let's do it. Okay. Thanks, Joel. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, yeah. It's always my pleasure. And thanks for inviting me to your party last week. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> that was so much fun. That yeah. was a lot of fun, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Mark I, wasn't there. He wishes he was. Mark was there. I know. I, 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 it's been so, it's been a while since I've been to like, I'm going to call it a legit house party because I have a friend group and we have like, there's like 10 of us on this messenger thing and Often on the weekend we get together, but it's like always the same people. Mm-hmm. So when I opened the door to your party, I just like opened the door and out loud I said, oh, this is a legit party. <laughs> <laughs> With a bunch of strangers, which was completely a really great exposure activity for me for my social anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And I did really well. I was like, damn, like I performed. <laughs> You did do really well. Yeah, yeah everyone was I, like, Joe's I only, man. I only felt awkward a couple of times. I'm just like, huh, no one knows me, so this is probably normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I liked having you there. That Perfect. was fun. Cool. Sounds good. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Joel. You're welcome. And everybody listening, just remember, Joel and I are sitting here loving you. Thanks, guys.